0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It 5-19-2021 and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have this evening. Uh, we, we thank you for life, health, and strength and, and for traveling mercies and bringing us all back together again. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, as we open your word that we can see your wisdom, and that we can understand uh, from the spirit of truth, your plan. So we thank you for each person here. We, we pray for those who may listen to these messages uh, in the future as well. All this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. So, mm-hmm. so here we are in Romans. You should have notes back uh, from five twelve uh, to note. So, so if you don't have them, do do some uh, checking in your your email. You should have the notes uh, dated five twelve. And uh, we are trying to conquer tonight a couple verses. I believe it's nine and ten. So. Uh, we will take our time we'll get there hopefully god willing and the rapture doesn't happen we'll get there so so stand by uh, we've had uh, quite a journey so far in romans chapter 9 uh, yeah it's been actually fun and you know the more i take my time and go through it the, the more i see so i'm loving it and so uh, let's do some Q&A, some thoughts, whatever is on your mind, let's, let's open the floor. Uh, so we, we just wanna unwind a little bit. So the floor is open. Um, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to, uh, I have some questions, but it's not fair to ask these questions. Because I'm skipping ahead
0: <laughs> in Romans. So, uh, wait, wait, how far wait, wait, How far are you hand. skipping ahead? 9.17. 17. 17. And, oh, yeah, that's ahead a little bit. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. that's ahead, and it's really out of uh, sequence. So let's just hold this question. Uh, I was reading commentary today, and I'm in it. And I just thought there were some very, very interesting things uh, on 17 and, you know, Pharaoh, uh, about Pharaoh. And but all this is a precursor to what we have yet to study, so let's be patient.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we, pre- will. we could preliminarily talk about uh, what's to come.
1: <laughs> the, uh, here, here is something in the commentary that is said. Just to throw it on the table Sure It says how can God Choose individuals To belong to himself And at the same time Make a bona fide Offer of salvation To all people everywhere I was reading this today And uh, I was reading I read a, a lot of these commentaries This is Believer's Bible But You know It's a lot of things That are said about election And God's sovereign Choice as God. Um, and of course, there are people that say uh, if he elected some to be saved from uh, Ephesians 1 4, they actually mention it in many of the commentaries. You know, there's certainly he elected some to be lost. And uh, that scripture nine seventeen 17 uh, is one that they to say that they predestined people to be lost. that God predestined some to be lost and some to be saved, which we know is not true. So uh, I just thought it was all very, very interesting. A lot of, so this is what, you know, these verses are coming up. I I just think we need to just continue on and we're going to get into all of this. Absolutely. Getting, in fact, we're getting
0: there now. Yeah, we're moving forward pretty good. We got a, at this point Just leave
1: it leave it alone.
0: We're at a good pace and yeah. I, we're only about um four or five verses from there, so but just to note yeah. I have also the believers Bible commentary. And um uh, so yeah. what I would and I see the, the statement here that you're talking about where they talk That's about right. um god is sovereign he chooses some to salvation how can you know they they -hmm. they raise these questions but they don't answer them and they they
1: they throw out um you know no
0: solutions that's right Um,
1: Uh they they offer with seemingly objections but they i did notice that Uh, But in the end of Believer's Bible,
0: he does offer some solutions. He
1: does, okay. And I think that... Okay. I think they're pretty much on target.
0: So here he says, it is... In his sovereignty, God has elected and chosen certain individuals to belong to himself. But the same Bible that teaches God's sovereign election also teaches human responsibility. While it is true that God elects people to salvation... It is true. It, it, it is also true. They must choose to be saved by the definite act of the will. The divine side of salvation is seen in the words, "All that the, that the Father gives me will come to me." The human side is found in the words that follow, "And the one who comes to me, I will in no means cast out." So, and that's John six thirty-seven. Wow. So, so you might say he, he wraps it up at the end, but he sure hasn't wrapped it up yet. That's for sure. Uh, where is, is that notion so far in our context? Nowhere, right? But we will get to it. And we will have to deal with it because uh, of things said about these, this chapter and these verses such as this, we we have to be sure. Now you're right. I don't want to. I don't want to fast forward into chapter uh, verse 17. I think it's. It would be to jump around and not get the context solidified in our minds before we start trying to interpret scripture. I think so many people have already done that. So we won't do that. We will take our time, understand. Uh, from the context what the Apostle and God are talking about here. So, but uh, obviously these verses, I'm well, first of all, you are doing what I hope everyone else is also doing, and that is your homework, read or find out what people are saying about these verses, right? Because guess what, we are going to have something to say about these verses. I'm hoping that there you have some context to understand when I talk about how controversial these verses are. Because people have said all kinds of things about these verses that are not accurate according to what the context is. So you have to make some judgments. And you have to also look at what I'm saying and say, well, is what we're saying according to what is written here as well you have to make those judgments and whatever uh you come up with i'm curious to know i'm i want to know what conclusions and how you reasoned these verses as well well you're seeing how we're going through them and this is why we have q a one of the reasons why is that we can dissect what is has been offered all right, so let's say nine, five, six, seven, eight, you could take the notes, you have them, and you could say, Is this what uh, I think most reasonably the scripture says? Or you could say, Hey, I see another point here that could also be brought out. I would be happy to hear it. So I, I'm saying, Think with me here, and that is important, not just. That, you know, I write these notes and come up with an interpretation. And so down. that's the the bottom line. I know you all trust me, but I want you to trust the scriptures. Because that's where the rubber hits the road. Not my interpretation. But I'm going to do the best I can.
1: Well, you know, I I just, as I was looking at the notes and, you know, details that, and... I just got a little nosy, and I kept going, and so then, of course, when you get into the commentary, and uh, you're just curious to see how this plays out because there's so many varying uh, opinions and you know definitions of what they mean, and uh, it's pretty interesting.
0: Right. Yeah. I. I'm. You know, listen, uh, th- this whole thing about the sovereignty of God, I, you hear me talking about it a lot, and it is important. So far, let me ask you, have we... Uh, so far, the quest for the, the apostle is, even from chapter 8, We are we are preparing for chapter 9, because the context there toward the end... Uh, said who is he that condemns who is he that would make a judgment against us All right. so we we went through those questions and now here we are in nine what you have to ask yourself is are we following the context are we allowing the scripture to uh, be interpreted by the spirit of truth and that's the question right because uh, this a lot of voices are out there and they're saying that it means this and it means that well We want to make a solid attempt at making sure that we follow the context, especially for those reasons. Well, we want to do our best no matter what, right? Not just because people have distorted these verses, but because that's the right thing to do. That's what we do anyway. We take our time, we consider, we allow ourselves to be open to uh, other possibilities, you know, but we have to start somewhere. So what do I do? I start. I get, I got the notes. So you can look at the notes. You can compare those. You can look at the commentaries. I think all of us have ample access to commentaries through our biblical application here. So, yeah, I, I welcome it. Listen, this is what I find interesting, is when iron sharpens iron, right, as, as the scripture says to me. That's... There's no uh, one interpretation that we must take. That's religion. What we want to take is what the scripture forces upon us. That's, that's the, to me, the conclusion we want to come to. So I guess other people would probably say the same thing. Right? <laughs> I'm not all alone speaking in this regard because I'm sure other people other Bible teachers would say yeah yeah this is what you want to do yeah let the Bible interpret itself all that okay but you have to make some judgments here I'll pause
1: yeah thank you and then we'll just look forward to uh, moving forward Um, you know there was another observation I made was that the mystery uh uh, which the poem taught uh, I see all these references that hit all around it I, I just I, I really am a little baffled on how even commentators and scholars seem to miss the, the thrust of what's going on the, uh, and the sons of God you know this is what creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed and this is, this is what the mystery is about. This is end of matter. They seem to not wrap it up.
0: You're absolutely right. I
1: said they, they do not wrap it up. I don't, I, it really, I don't understand how they don't, but how they miss it.
0: Well, I, it's hard, you're right, it is hard for us from the way we see things to understand how they miss it because we, we see it. In fact, it was just like right there in the previous chapter. How, I mean, how could we, I mean, it was glaring in the previous chapter, so much so. And then in from 6, 7, 8, how could we miss the unique features? So what people are doing is, well, you know, just like Paul is making an, uh, a defense to Israel about the callings. For the church, and some people don't see the calling for the church as significant. So the Jews may say, "I don't. I we reject that. We should still be under the Mosaic law." I don't know what you're talking about. So some people in the church would say, "Well, we don't accept the mystery thing either. You know, we what we accept is we have to harmonize these scriptures with all the other scriptures." So how can we do that? And that's what they, uh, how they approach it. For some reason, they refuse to see the distinctions, the limitations that are placed upon us when we read the scriptures. If God says it's not found in uh, you know, Old Testament, then people are saying, well, it is found. And how, how, that's like turning your back on the word of God, saying, oh, well, God said that you not surely die Uh, God said you're going to die you're not going to die that's like denying the word of God you can't go places when you deny what the word says flat out so we have an obligation and that is to do our best to interpret this according to what the scripture teaches us and then after we do so to teach it, if we can, to others who need this information. So it is important for us. I would say it's an important work we're doing. The more controversial you see the scriptures, or uh, well, at least people interpreting, and if we can come up with a clear interpretation of it, I think it is It is our responsibility to make sure others are, are aware of such uh, interpretation, right? Because people, are, they're so comfortable in, in their shoes. They, they don't want to be shaken or moved from the standpoint of reform theology or, or whatever theology they have. We have to be open. Right? If we can't allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, then... But, you know, I think you're right. I think m- the major obstacle is people reject the mystery they reject this, this unique calling now people you know I don't think I've heard of at least in my commentary reading you may have to read and I may have read it and forgot but I don't think I've heard commentaries talk about the point that we made earlier and that is that Paul is defending God's right to choose the church I don't think I've heard that, that that's what Romans 9 is about. And I think a couple weeks ago I was asking a question, I think Bill answered it and Dave did too, it was about, um, do you think God has a right, or, or that people have a right to ask this question? Like Israel is saying, foul, you can't do that, you just violated something, you can't, we're the call, you can't just automatically say Gentiles are now called, can we? Can you do that? If you do try to do that, then the word of God has failed. That's what they're saying. God has cast away Israel, which he foreknew. That's what Israel is saying. And I asked the question earlier to everybody. I said, well, do you think that's a legitimate question? Should, I mean, do they, is that arrogance for them to ask such a question? And I could ask that question now. I I know what Bill already said and Dave already said. But that's where we are. Until we get to the place where we can answer that. Because then we're not integrating chapter 9 into the context. Because chapter 9 is just out there. Oh, we could do whatever we want with it. But that's not true. In fact, I don't even know if you just picked up at chapter 9 how you could come to the conclusions that some people have. But we're going to do our best to take our time and I don't want the whole thing to, the whole experience to be about um, defending against what reformed people say about this or Calvinism says I don't want the whole Bible study to be on a defensive move well they said this and this is what we say this is, they said this and we I don't want I want to be able to teach it from the context like we have been doing verse by verse, uh, phrase by phrase, and, and to, until we can understand what is being said, and, and that's what we're going to. I want to do. I don't want to uh, just. And we've done that with all the places we've been, and God has blessed us tremendously. So I will continue along that path. I will pause. All right. Well, on that
1: note, it just sounds like we should jump into
0: Romans. Sounds like it. I was just thinking the same thing. Okay, so Romans <laughs> nine. Romans nine is the chapter. So let's go there. Uh, and I got you should have notes from as I said earlier, five twelve. Uh, but here it is. For this is what. This is Romans 9, 9 through 10. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah will have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac. So this is where we are. Romans 9, 9 through 10. And in the notes, the promise to Abraham was God's way of establishing Israel on his terms. It was not according to Abraham or Sarah's desires. It was not God's choice. It was God's choice from the start, from start to finish. Often, we think we are helping God by inserting our will and choices into his plans we should know that in every case our plans are discarded and God's plan moves forward. If we have humility, we can not only learn to accept God's choices, but embrace them as though they were our own. And that's, uh, I think that last statement is so true, at least for me it is, where many times the will of God is transformative you can read it and you can say oh this is what god wants then eventually you can come to believe it embrace it and love it and then you it was it's almost like it's your thought <laughs> like salvation by grace it's almost like your it's you have embraced it to the point where the spiritual logic of it now makes sense to you you can't even see it any other way. And if somebody were to say it, you'd say, wait a minute, what, what, how, you just missed... What about this scripture? What about that scripture? How do you answer this? How do you answer that? And you would have to reason it out with that person. So I realize it's hard to find people who want to reason things out with you because that people are just not fixed for reasoning. They're more fixed for, you know, just religion allowing religion to tell them what it is, and then either they believe it or they don't. If they believe it, then they are part of the group. If they don't, then they'll probably find somewhere else to go. But uh, what we want to do is allow God, the Holy Spirit, to reason with us. And that's what we want to do in these passages as well. So we're going to take our time, for this is what the promise said. We're going to look at this first phrase. So the first thought is the promise... Uh, This a specific dialogue. So if we go to Genesis, we've been there a lot in these chapters. Genesis chapter 17, 15 through 21 uh, is the promise, right? Specifically, right? And here it is. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her. And and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings, peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed, and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, your wife Sarah will bear a son, bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So there's there's the promise specifically stated. For this is our phrase here, the apostle brings out for this is what the promise says and sure enough he quotes right right there in genesis where he says in our context it is about this time next year i will return and sarah will have a son so he mixes in rebecca because rebecca's not here but he's also uh as we talked about before the point the apostle is making here is not about salvation. It is the forming of national Israel. Now, like I said before, if you get this in your head, if you understand what Paul is doing, what, what Moses was doing by penning Genesis and the promises and so forth, then you will understand the gist of Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11 pretty easily. So we we, we want to understand that this is what God is doing, he's establishing the nation Israel. So that's specifically the promise. Point B, Israel was created by the miraculous power of God, not human power. And that's, you know, a lot of times, I think Israel forgets that, that somehow God is the one who sovereignly uh, created them. They did not exist. And he took from Gentile nations to make uh, Israel. So, I mean, you could, you could talk about Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob as the patriarchs. For, and God is the one who specifically chose each one of them. And miraculously, in each case, he brought forth the promise on his terms, as I have said, have said earlier, in the uh, in the intro but it was on his terms he says no and and th- listen At every tr- chance Abraham and Sarah could get they tried to turn the promise into something that was humanly possible That's something God is saying no I'm going to tell you here it is through Isaac <laughs> that your offspring your seed will be reckoned And so when God told Abraham, look up at the stars in the sky and if you can count all those stars, right? If you can see all that, so shall your descendants be. So Abraham could think, well, I'm just going to have many descendants. But that that wasn't the plan just for you to have many descendants. God was talking about the nation Israel the impact of the nation Israel has been huge on the, in this world in fact Christians today are still impacted greatly overly <laughs> by Israel and not the church uh, Israel looms large in their minds the church very small they think the church is an extension of Israel so in this case we want to make sure we understand how God brought the nation. And then not only did he bring it about through uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob miraculously with those miraculous births, but he freed them from the nation Egypt, uh, which was one of the most powerful nations in the world. God was able to uh, bring his people out of bondage. And through miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles, he did this. So, point C. God waited until all human strength and reasoning were extinguished. Now, this point here, I don't have the notes for it. I mean, the scriptures, but I think we've covered all about every scripture in Genesis, almost that we have. As a gross exaggeration, but what what I'm trying to say here is, when God first made the promise to Abraham it was years after now, Abraham was a hundred remember when it was fulfilled there were many years that and God didn't say okay Abraham I'm gonna it's gonna be through Abraham it's gonna be through you Isaac and Jacob right he could have said he could have told Abraham a lot more but you know what he left it open and God was looking to test Abraham to see whether or not he would believe. And in every case, Abraham said, well, you know, I don't have any children, so you didn't give me any, so therefore this servant, Eleazar, I'm going to make him an heir. So after Abraham and Sarah got together and they came up with Hagar and Ishmael, and uh, and after God said, no, 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 it won't be Ishmael, it's I and Isaac. Right? And through Sarah, you're going to have a son. His name, I'm even going to tell you his name. His name is Isaac. So they laughed, both of them. It was so funny. Abraham fell down. Uh, he, he didn't fall down on his knees and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for, for bringing you know, the information that it's going to be through Sarah. No, no. Abraham falls down and laughs. It's funny to him. Now, that's insulting. Uh, It was just, he laughed in God's face. And we could read those scriptures in Romans 4, where it talks about Abraham against hope, believed in hope, and was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So what was happening when he wasn't strong in faith? (laughs) He was laughing. He was not bringing glory to God. He was bringing insult. I could have understood the next scripture could have been, and then... Where Abraham stood, there was a black spot with smoke rising from it. Because God could have just said, you know what? I'm going to find me another Abraham. And, and we're going to work through him. You're done. But God used that man as imperfect as he was. And it's a testimony to all of us. Because all of us are imperfect and human. And oftentimes we insert human solutions for God's plans. God has solutions for his plan. God is going to do it his way. And that's how we have to see this. So he waited until Abraham was past age, until Sarah was past age. And he held Sarah back from having any kids, period. Same thing with Rebecca. Same thing with Rachel. Right? And this, this God kept this thought of i want my nation to be special i want to have my hand and fingerprints all over this and he, he did it's exactly what he did so he waited until they had no strength left so there's nobody who could say anything about yeah abraham just had sarah or abraham had uh, worked it out himself no no it was all god point d abraham and sarah were vessels. God provided the miraculous power to create Israel. They were just vessels. I mean, Abraham, as we already said, was beyond, there was nothing he provided. He, In fact, he was sexually dead. He couldn't, he couldn't conceive, there's no, any, and so was Sarah. It was over for them. And God restored things in such a way that here comes Isaac so this was miraculous I mean we should know that we are not the recipients of God's grace because of whom what we are and if we look at Abraham we can see they've had many problems Sarah too so it was not about whom, and what they are. It was about who God was and what his plan, what his plan was. That was what it turned out to be about. Point E, in the end, God's way would prevail, even over man's logic and reasoning. So it sounded reasonable to Abraham. He says, well, I'll put Eleazar in charge. Or when you know, he lied and told you know, when Sarah got captured and he lied and said, oh, that's my sister. And he should, have, he should have been up front and said, no, this is God that's called me, and this is the calling, and this is my wife, Sarah, and, and so forth. You no, know, he, he, You could see and read the, the details for yourself. Abraham was not a perfect man. He was like us, wasn't he, in many ways. And he tried to reason it out, so did his wife. He heard God's promise, and he said, well, it's not happening. He was often pushy and arrogant, I could see, telling God, okay, so God, he didn't say, God, I beseech you, can Eleazar be, no, he said, God, you didn't give me, you didn't keep your word, so you know what I'm going to do? Eleazar is the man. God had to jump in and say, he is not the man, back up, and he had to tell Abraham, reiterate the promise. I mean, he had to do that several times. By the time Isaac was, I forget how old he was, fourteen or something, and God told Abraham, "I want you to take your son, your, own, your the one you love, take him, and I want you to take him to a mountain and and I want I'll show you what to do once you get there, and I, I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering." So Abraham, it, he went. He figured, okay, God, without you, I could not have had this son in the first place. If you're telling me that this is what you want me to do, and I know the voice, your voice, this is you telling me this, then I'm going to follow. Abraham, it didn't say he thought about it, didn't say he had a restless night's sleep, didn't say he hesitated, didn't say he asked God, well, are you sure? He did what God told him to do. He trusted that's where Abraham had already turned the corner. He understood who he was dealing with, with God. That was quite late, so. But to Abraham's credit, he was he was faithful. Yes. Point two. So, it, for it was for this is what the promise said about this time next year. This is point number two. I will return, and Sarah will have a son. So not only was Abraham chosen, Sarah was too. So that's, we kind of brought that out before. So we understand that Sarah is a chosen vessel, just like Abraham was a chosen vessel. And Abraham couldn't have done it without his wife Sarah. Neither could Isaac without his wife. Rebecca all right, so we, we have these uh, stories and you know the thought of all of this is which we've gone over this and I, I could really go a lot faster I know but we're trying to understand all that God has said and he is called Abraham and he is also called Sarah so point B being chosen did not mean they were set for life without worries or cares it means A life, it should be, it means, I didn't put the S on that, it means a life of responsibility and purpose in the plan of God. So that's what is important, right? And and as we come to the understanding of these things, what we'll see eventually is how our calling, even though different than Israel's or what God did in the formation of the nation Israel we're going to see that our calling does follow some of these very principles it doesn't like I said it doesn't mean they're set for life and I, I know people say I'm chosen I'm special I'm, I am I'm called uh, it meant a life of responsibility I' want to read Genesis 4: 18 through21 uh, I'm not I'm not saying Genesis. Romans 418 through21 I'm going to read that real quick. So, against here it is, against, 18, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said about him, said to him, so shall your offspring be. So, this is interesting. This verse 18 sums it up, doesn't it? sort of makes the statement that hey just like the promise God did what he said sure enough Israel became a great nation and Abraham's descendants uh, just like and it says Abraham in hope against all hope in other words it was impossible for Abraham to do this but in hope Abraham became uh, believed and became the father of many nations just as has been said of him so shall your offspring be. Now here it is, verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah, Sarah's womb was also dead. So now notice this. This is without weakening in his faith. He, he did all this. And, and of course, he, he, he graduated to this point because you saw he was not here just from the beginning. This is after he got up off the ground and was laughing. but Verse 20, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. This was after he came through his periods of unfaithfulness. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And see, that's important. Being fully persuaded. That's the hope abraham had he didn't have the son but he said okay that's, there was a point when abraham said okay that's it he's going to show up god you have the power to do it right. and then the words verse 23 the words um i know we're, we're beyond where i wanted to read but the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone but also for us to whom god will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised jesus our Lord, from the dead. So we need the kind of faith that Abraham eventually uh, obtained. It was through trial that he obtained that faith. Now, just imagine, the ideal situation is that God would speak and we would believe and trust him. I mean, we could see it all throughout Israel's history. We could see it even with the disciples. God said, "This is I'm going to, I'm leaving here. And they did not want to believe it. He died just like he said he would. They said to the woman who said, we have come from the tomb and the Lord is not there. We and we have seen the Lord. And they said, you women are crazy. This is crazy talk. But yet they got up and they went to the tomb. So, So it's interesting as you see human frailty unfold and notice we all have it. If you think you don't, then you've misunderstood what it means to have faith. You've got to learn to trust God. It's not something we innately have within us, this trust. It's a reasoning. God comes to us. He presents his case. He shows us who he is. He tells us what he wants us to do. He gives evidence of who he is. And he expects that we trust him. So, So this point, it is responsibility. And we talked also about Joseph, right? Joseph has all these dreams about um, he's chosen by God. You know, all the brothers are bowing down to him. Uh, You know the story of all of Joseph. And, you know, uh, the brothers looked at Joseph in arrogance. They said, wait a minute, who do you think you are? We're going to bow down and you? Oh, you? You think you're somebody special. Oh, I see. So did Joseph understand the responsibility that was placed on him? The answer has to be no, he did not. But he came to understand it. Joseph, he was sad that his brothers sold uh, him into slavery. He was upset all throughout his lifetime until he finally understood what god was doing with his life and what all those dreams meant earlier god you you could say well he could have gave him some more information well he did along the way when he needed it it was up to joseph to believe and then it was a life you could say oh joseph was blessed he was blessed what did it mean? It meant Joseph had a life of tremendous responsibility. I mean, people lived and died on his word. The Pharaoh trusted Joseph. And if Joseph failed, many people would die. So what responsibility? That was tremendous responsibility Joseph had. And that's what it means, that we're blessed. We're highly favored in all these things people want to say, then that means you, are, you have a tremendous responsibility before God. Not everybody is called, not everybody's chosen. But for those who are, God places responsibility. And when it says you have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, what does that mean? It means tremendous responsibility. And that people think, oh, it's just like, oh, you know, the cartoons, you know, we used to look at when we were kids. <clears throat> somebody finds a treasure and they're so happy, they're throwing the money into the air and they're sitting on a pile of gold. And that's the, that's the next point. Point C, being chosen does not mean we sit atop a pile of gold and precious stones. It means responsibility. We're chosen, we're adopted to sonship. Remember, the adoption means the greatest transfer of wealth and power. That's what adoption means to us. God is this is the greatest transfer ever of God's wealth and power. We're heirs of God. That's what it means. If we're heirs, we're sons. And we're sons, then we're heirs and heirs of God. So so this not only speaks of our position. But it also speaks of the power that we wield. But that power is not just to give us something that we could show off with. It is because God has called us to this tremendous responsibility over all things. So so stop looking at this blessing. Oh, I'm so blessed. Stop looking at it as, well, you know... You know, I got everything I need. I don't have a care in the world. I could just live this great life. I could have whatever I want. I could have whatever, whatever. All the money, all my bills paid. All You just fill in the blanks People, what people say they want. But that's not what this means. So if God made you great in this world, that doesn't mean anything. We're not of this world. And That means he, he has a responsibility for you. Point D. And what was Abraham chosen for? We could see that now, right? That verse that we said, look at the verse here. uh, Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And here it is. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. I could see that Abraham was I mean the, the position he had you wouldn't have imagined God said look see all these stars so shall your offspring be God is saying to Abraham that's what I'm going to make of you and talk about tremendous responsibility maybe that's why Abraham was busy shuffling his feet trying to figure out a way to make this come true instead of allowing God to do what he does best so uh what was Abraham chosen for? We can see that clearly. What are we chosen for is the question that you should already have the answer to. If not, we could certainly fill in the blanks. But what are we chosen for? Obviously, it's not just we're great. <laughs> we're somebody special. We're higher than this one or higher than that one. You know what? Same thing. We have tremendous responsibility. All I gotta do is go back and read in eight just just one couple of scriptures in eight. Here it is: I consider the present sufferings this is verse eighteen, Romans eight eighteen. I consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. And brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's responsibility. That's not just, oh, we're rich. <laughs> we're, we're, we're wealthy. We can buy whatever car we want. This is about God's plan responsibility in his plane. So, we can answer those questions in point D. Uh, hopefully, you adopt the understanding of the called as more than just some pie in the sky thing, but you understand what God has chosen us to, the responsibility that it carries. Point three. So, let's start from the top. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year, I will return and Sarah will have a son. And not only so. Okay, so with this is a short phrase, and not only so. A couple points there. The apostle has more to add to the story of the nation of Israel. So remember, when he's talking about, he's talking about Abraham, he's talking about Isaac, all the different variations that they tried to throw in. But no, it's straight path, straight line to Isaac. And then from Isaac, a straight line to Jacob. So God has more to tell us. And what is he telling us? He's telling us about the forming of the nation of Israel. This is the story Israel should be rehearsing when they think about the patriarchs. This is what they should be rehearsing, how God chose them, called them out of Egypt, to be a nation unto himself a peculiar nation and this is the glory of Israel of how God would use them for his plan in the world so so it's it's important and he has more to tell it's not just about Abraham and Isaac it's about it's about Isaac and Jacob and how it's you know how God chose Jacob over Esau And so we're getting to those verses. This is next. So Jews would know, point B, Jews would know this by culture, but Gentiles may not. So it is worth stating, right? So when we think about this thought, when Sarah will have a son, and not only so, And, and I have here Islam. And why do I have Islam here? Because instead, and how important is this in the formation of the nation Israel? Is that God, like I said, had his hand and fingerprints all over this. But Islam says, of course they can say anything they want. Right? They can't disrupt what God's plan is. Islam says God did choose Ishmael. Right? It is not Isaac he said we got it wrong he said they say it is abraham ishmael so this is interesting to note i don't find it that fascinating that they would say that at first i did i said oh wow how can they not they're the ones persecuting israel but they believe in abraham yes islam does that is but somehow they're against the jews but why why they hate to the do so bad? Because in their Quran, it does not say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because then they would have to talk about Israel. They it talks about Abraham and Ishmael. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Point C. We saw lessons of God's sovereignty in action for Abraham and, and Sarah. Be prepared. Prepared to see more in Isaac and Rebecca, So this we, a lot of these scriptures we have covered. So I'm not throwing every Genesis scripture in here. I think we, we have gone over them in enough detail already. So hopefully you have this. So, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather, Isaac. So we know the story. But also what? God's specific choices continue into the next generation. That's what happened. God continued uh, to choose not only Abraham, not only Isaac, but now it's going to be Isaac's wife, Rebecca. So that's that's the but what, right? That's what would also. Not only was Isaac point B, not only was Isaac the promised and chosen son, so Rebecca. Was chosen in, the, in Genesis 25. I think I'll turn to that one. Genesis 25: 19 through 21. Genesis 25. Here it is. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Now we we'll had to pay close attention to this one because we're going to see something here about Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac 20 verse 20 and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel and Aram, Arameen from Padan. Aram and, the sister, and and his sister Laban the Ar, Arameen Ar, Arameen I'm getting these names all screwed up but don't worry Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. There it is, what we were talking about earlier, about her being childless or barren. She didn't have any kids, but yet God said that they were going to have children. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. So, 22, the babies jostled each other other within her, And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And we're just going to continue it out all the way to to verse 26. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So we could go on. The boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, etc., etc. But that, that's what happened. That's the promise. Uh, and, and God laid it out about how it was going to happen. Point C the patience of Isaac was also tested. It looks like there were some humility, humility lessons learned. Everything is done with God's perfect timing. So when we look at Genesis 25, verse 20, Isaac was about 40 years old when he married Rebekah, his daughter, right? So 40 years old. And then when you look at 26, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he, his name was Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So notice, 20 years passed before uh, this the child was born God told Isaac he promised this he said this is what's going to happen but it wasn't until 20 years later that it happened where it says okay then uh, Rebecca got pregnant after this is remember Isaac was 40 God at 40 years old Isaac was ready he said I'm ready uh, uh, I, it's, it's just that Rebecca doesn't have it's not able to become pregnant, and God prayed, Isaac prayed, God answered the prayer, she became pregnant, but not till 20 years later, or 19 years later, so it took patience on Isaac's part, it took humility on his part, and perhaps he learned a lot from what Abraham's experiences were. I'm sure Abraham. It was on display for all to see with Ishmael and, uh, and all that he did, and so I'm sure Isaac learned some lessons. Yeah, twenty years later, we need to have patience with God. We we're always like right away. I need something right now. God says, "Sure, I'll give it to you." Twenty years later is when it, when it finally happened. That's interesting to me. Point D conceived children rebecca had conceived children she was pregnant with twins as we read and promise concerning them was given so we already read that in verse 23 where it says uh two peoples will, and the older will serve the younger there will be two nations in her womb the older will serve the younger so we saw what it meant for her to conceive children and so forth. So we're, we're, we're up on that. So point E as we're closing this out is why is the Apostle Paul giving us a history lesson about the forming of the nation Israel? So that's that's what we have to consider. Why? I mean, is it just that he feels like we need to know this? Or how do we get so deep into what's happening with Israel. And again, we have covered this. I just want to be clear. It is because that Israel is objecting to the calling of the church. God has chosen us. We are chosen in him before the creation of the world to behold and blameless in his sight and love. He adopted us as sons, predestined us and so forth. This is, this is what happened to the church, but Israel is saying, hold on, this is what happened to us. Yeah, can't just take the same words and apply it to you, except for God did it just that way. But he demonstrated it through signs, wonders, and miracles. So you gotta say that the church is miraculously born as well. So we, we're answering that objection. And if we ask God, God, is it legitimate for Israel to ask such questions? The answer has to be yes. Why? Because God is literally explaining it to us here. He's explaining to us how he formed the nation Israel and how he does what he wants to do sovereignly. He has a right. He gives the explanation, but you can be sure later on in the context, God may do some checking here. When people are trying to intrude in areas where they don't belong. Like, i.e. his sovereignty. So why is he giving us this history lesson about the formation of Israel? That's why. Because Israel has a problem. And God wants to lay it out there. I'm glad he does. I'm glad he, he gives us the spirit and tells us, you know, it is through the baptism of the spirit, you know. John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Spirit not many days from now. Then later he gives us in writing what all that means, what the baptism of the Spirit is, the sealing, the, the indwelling. He, every step of who we are and the assets that we have in this age have been delineated to us carefully by God. Just as we see the record of what happened to Israel. And when we talk about the coming of the Spirit, it was prophesied, and was it so? Yes, because Jesus did die. He was raised from the dead, according to what the Scriptures have said. And He has promised the Holy Spirit, and now we are in that age. So the answer is yes. All those, all the, Both of these things are true. And we must learn to respect the choices of God. And... So Israel deserves a thorough answer to their objections. God thinks so. Otherwise, we wouldn't be going through scriptures like this to educate us, to bring us up to speed on what God's sovereignty actually means when it comes to his plan. So we're going to continue with this thought as we... uh, Continue in the scriptures, uh, Romans chapter nine. We got some scriptures ahead of us Uh, next week that will explain a lot more in detail. And here I'll just read it. Um, Yet, this is verse eleven. Before the twins were born, or had had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand. Not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. So we read that already in Genesis. We're going to see what the apostle means by bringing this forward next week. And I think we're right on track with the apostle Paul. So this is where we want to be, seeing eye to eye with him on what he's teaching. So we'll continue with this thought next week. God willing, and hopefully we will have the understanding, and all of our questions will eventually be answered. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this week you have given us the outlook on these important verses in Romans chapter 9. We thank you for the calling, the choosing, the election to to uh, the responsibility that is placed upon our shoulders, and Lord, we accept it, we understand, and this is something we now embrace. So we thank you for the answer, for the scripture being clear about uh, this question. Uh, regardless of what people have done with it, we know uh, your purpose in trying to have all of these things as clear as possible. So we thank you for your your perfect word, always corrects, it instructs, it reproves in righteousness. Thank you so much for your for your word. That is not only here, but it is accurate in this day. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.